You are watching Christ's Commission Fellowship. Changing lives for eternity. As a review, we're going to go through another minefield today. And I wanted to briefly remind us of the minefields we've already tackled. So the first landmine was what? Pursuing wrong relationships. And my brother spoke about that. And how do we diffuse that landmine? Pursue Jesus. The second landmine we tackled was bad choices. And that's going to be connected to our landmine today. But how do we diffuse the landmine of bad choices? We choose how? Wisely. Because choices all have consequences. The third landmine is a disease my dad thought he invented, but he didn't. It's already in the dictionary or somewhere out there. It's excusitis. Uh, always making excuses, right? And uh, my wife and I were the master of excusitis. I always blame her for when we're late at church, and she always blames me. Um, but how do you diffuse it? Assuming responsibility. I mean, even today, right? I, uh, we were running. I wasn't late, but my wife yesterday, she decided to take my old bag, which has all my stuff in it, and she put it in a new bag. And in her mind, she's being kind and helpful. But I was blaming her in the car. I'm like, because you switched the bags. I don't know where anything is. I can't find anything. Of all the days I speak once every year, you do it on the one time I'm speaking, you change my bags. But we were okay. And we had a guest in the car, and they were just laughing, but it was stressful. Uh, line nine four was what? Immorality. And Pastor Ricky did a great job on this yes, last week. It's a very difficult topic, but it's diffused by fleeing and living the spirit-filled life. I actually skipped the answer for this one. It's assume responsibility. The topic today is the landmine of addictions, and the, the, the sentence I want you to remember is addictions destroy, replace them. Addictions destroy, replace them. How many of you have heard of uncommon addictions? Do you know anyone that has a weird addiction? <clears throat> well, did you know there's an addiction to sausages? Mga hot dog. My daughter, Tegan, is she over there? My daughter's over there. She loves hot dogs. They're very unhealthy, but she's always telling me, can I have a hot dog today? And so I have to be careful. She might have an addiction to hot dogs. The next addiction that's uncommon is Diet Coke. I have a coach in high school. He drank Diet Coke every day, maybe a couple of bottles. And he just had a stack of bottles all over the place. Another example of a silly addiction is wigs. <laughs> I may need them someday. Right now, I think I'm OK. <clears throat> I joked my brother. I said he would need wigs because he's got more bald head than me. And then tanning, you know, I just picked random ones on the web. But there's an addiction to tanning. Some people want to get tanned all the time. This is a tanning salon. I've never been in one. And then loud music, you may know. Young people or you guys yourselves, you might really like loud music. And then a silly one that my daughter loves is ice chewing. She loves to chew ice. In fact, last night when we got home, she said, Daddy, I'm thirsty. Can I get something to drink? I said, sure. And then I, I hear all this sound from the fridge. And then I see her and she's chewing ice cubes. I said, Tegan, why are you chewing ice? She said, I like it. So I said, no. You asked me for water. You're going to drink water. You don't drink ice. But she said, Dad, ice is water. So smarter than me. Second Peter 2.19, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. Again, it says, right, by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. Is there anything that has mastered you in life? This is a definition of addiction I got from a fellow, from a pastor, and I really liked it. It said, addiction is anything that masters us. Other than Jesus, it is in slavery to something that hinders us from doing what is right. 
Again, addiction is anything. Ice chewing, sausages, not really. But that masters us, other than Jesus, it is in slavery to something that hinders us from doing what is right. Have you guys ever had anything in your lives that you feel gets in the way of your doing what is right? There are mainstream addictions, and I will talk about the pattern of addiction. There's too many addictions to go about all of them in detail, but today my, my prayer as I open in prayer after this is that we will go through the patterns that lead to addiction, the consequences in general of addictions, and then how to deal with it. So before I go on, um, can you rise with me and let's pray together. I just ask you guys to all stand with me. I really would appreciate prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning or this afternoon now that, that I have the privilege to stand here before your people. Lord, in your name, I ask for your help. Uh, I, I am inadequate. But you are more than adequate. So, Lord, will you override my preparation? Will you speak through me? Will you touch their hearts that they will be willing to listen and that it will be your words that speak to each person here? I thank you, Lord, for this time. I pray you be with us as we discuss addiction and how together we can overcome addictions through you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So here are some of the mainstream addictions, right? Alcohol. Smoking, drugs, gambling. Then there's what I call more behavioral addictions. There really isn't a substance. Well, gambling is a behavioral addiction as well, so I should have moved it over. But sex, pornography was talked about last week a bit. Work, some people are addicted to work. You have um, shopping. <laughs> Jennifer, shopping. <laughs> I always make fun of my wife when it comes to shopping. That's her thing. I say mine's are video games, which is coming up versus shopping. But we always have a running discussion in our family. She always says, I'm just going to go out and, you know, just maybe look around. And then she comes home and there's all this stuff in the house. And she said, no, I might return it. And then it's still there after a year. Food. Um, video games, this is the one that I struggled with for many years. Internet, social media, that's a new addiction. Many children, many young people nowadays, the internet, social media, I really want to tackle this one. I'll spend a little extra time on it. And then TV, I have a friend, she just loves TV. All the shows, every show, watches them. So these are a lot of mainstream addictions. If, when I read this list, um, I don't know if you are addicted to any of them. Are you addicted to something? If you might be addicted to something, these are some questions you can ask yourself. Do you spend your discretionary hours on it? A discretionary time is the time you have after everything else is done. An example, when I was deep into video games, not only do I play, but after I play, I think about the game. And when I go to bed at night, I'm on my, my iPad reading about the game because I want to study how to get better when I play tomorrow. Um, and then when I wake up in the morning, I have to go to work, but I'm thinking after work, I can play again. So it's always there, right? It, it's, it's, whenever I have free time, it's the first thing I want to do. Always choosing it over other activities and people. My wife will uh, testify that there have been times where in the past she would say, hey, do you want to go out? I'll be like, no, I just want to stay home and I need to relax. But my version of relaxing is playing on the, on the computer and uh, it becomes anything but relaxing when she starts to get angry. Tired at work, school, or home, and falling behind your responsibilities? I remember very clearly, I <clears throat> was asked to pray for someone during prayer and fasting, which, by the way, I'm so excited, it's coming up. But someone came up to me, and he said, can you pray for my job? I said, why? He said, I'm always tired at work, I'm not doing well. I said, okay. I said, can I ask you a question, though? I said, what do you do at night? 
Then he looked at me, kind of guilty. It's because I'm like, really? How long? So until four in the morning or, you know. So I'm like, of course. Do I have to pray for you? The answer is there, you know. Lord, I pray he goes to sleep. So, it, but it's obvious, right? But see, when you're addicted to something, right, you cannot control it. And I used to play until two in the morning, three in the morning, uh, many nights. Lying or hiding about how much time you spend on it. So I got a game on the iPad, and my wife um, came downstairs, and I was doing this. And I, I shared this, I think. She said, what are you doing? I said, nothing. I, I'm just, I'm just um, checking something. I wasn't lying. I said, I'm checking something. She's like, what are, are you playing a game? Then I pressed the button on the iPad, and I switched to the, the browser. I said, no, I'm just on the internet. Pretty smooth, right? But I was lying to her, even though I really wasn't lying, right? And I share that because many people who are addicted to something, we, we hide the truth. And then being irritable when you can't do it, and you know you can use your time better, but you cannot seem to stop. So I just share this. Maybe there's something in your life that when you read through the questions, you're like, you know, I see a little bit of me. And there's a verse um, that says, you know, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So I pray that if you are addicted, you would listen today um, to what God has to say and that I would be a blessing uh, to you guys. Are you addicted to something? You know, it says here in 1 Corinthians 6.12, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. I think sometimes the problem we have is we always think of addictions as things that are harmful. But if we had a different perspective where we want to do what the Apostle Paul is talking about, we don't want to be mastered by anything other than God, then I think we will start to see other activities uh, in, a, in a different light, right? So the question is not always, are you doing something harmful, but is there anything that masters your life. I think when I was young, one of the reasons uh, I was not so careful about gaming is I thought gaming is not a bad thing. And you know, honestly, gaming in and of itself is not evil. But when something becomes addicting, then it becomes dangerous. And so today, this is one of our key verses. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And you notice the verse, it, it's always directed at an individual. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So I have three basic C's. The C's of, of addiction. The cost, the cure, no, the cost, the cause, and the cure. Cost, cause, and cure. So what is the cost of addictions? You know, everything has a cost, everything in life. We heard this a few Sundays ago, right? Choices have consequences. But I want to revisit this verse. Do not be deceived. In Galatians 6, 7 to 8, it says, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption. Another translation in NIV says destruction. But the one who sows to the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap eternal life. Again, right? For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. And we either reap corruption or eternal life. So everything has a cost. Do you guys remember Jesse Carlos? So I read about Jesse Carlos, right? According to his family, Jesse Carlos is uh, not a violent man. In fact, he's a nice guy. But see, Jesse had an addiction. And I read this from the internet. This is public uh, information. He got into cockfighting. And he would gamble about 100,000 to 500,000 pesos every time. One time, after losing, supposedly, he went to a casino and was able to win big. So then he got into casino gambling. But what happened was 
As you know, the house always wins. So eventually, he lost a lot of money. He lost his job. And one night on June 2, 2017, with a rifle, he went into Resorts World, set a fire. And I don't think he intended to kill people, but 38 people died. I think 70 were injured. If you could travel back in time and, and talk to Jesse and show him a newspaper clipping and say, hey, Jesse, before you start that first cockfight or before you start, you know, getting into this thing, look at what happens to you and your family. You think he would still choose that road? No, I don't think he would. Or at least I think he would try to stop it. So my prayer is today, as we talked about addictions, it is kind of like you seeing what could happen someday if today those of you who have an addiction do not change the road you are going down. I regret hours I've lost. I would change it if I could. There is always a cost. I don't have time to go through pornography and other addictions in detail, but I will tell you, the Bible says, whatever a man sows, he will reap. If you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, eternal life. I asked my wife permission, just take pornography. Because I was in pornography when I was young, when we first got married, it, it was a little harder for us as a couple to experience intimacy from, from my end the right way because I had all these issues from what I had seen and, it, you know, God had to work in, our, in my life. And you don't want to bring that into a marriage, right? But I chose to allow it because I couldn't control my pornography. You know, many, many young people now, they have a wrong view of women. You make a list and all it is is like all these physical traits that are in your head because you've been watching so much junk. And you know, people don't look like that in real life. That, that's, I mean, like I said, that's an extreme place that you don't want to go. Um, there's other addictions, right? Um, you can run through the list if you are addicted to work. You don't spend time with your kids. Years later, you look back and you say, wow, they're already grown up. I wish I had spent more hours with them. I'm not saying work is wrong, you know, but I'm saying if anything masters you, there is a cost. If time is life and addictions take time, they steal time, then what is the cost of addiction? Life. Addictions steal life. This is something I hope every person here puts in their heart. Anything that I do that takes time, if it takes time away from something better, it is taking life from me. So an example from my life, um, I shared with you guys, at seven years old, I, I, I learned about computer games from a pastor's kid, <laughs> those bad pastor's kids. At eight years old, I would play about 60 minutes a day, just 60 minutes a day. So in one year, how many hours is that? 365 times an hour, 365 hours. On age nine, it's two years. Can I have the slide? So at age nine, I still play 60 minutes a day. I've now played 730 hours. At age 10, I have played 1,095 hours. Uh, video games. Now, you can replace video games with whatever it is, right? TV show, um, anything. How about at 40 years old? You guys know how many hours I have played computer games, excluding all the time I spent thinking about it when I was younger? Who can guess? I put a chart. So there's the graph. And underneath the graph is all the hours I've burned. I computed roughly about 30,000 hours. 30,000 hours. 
That's three skills, right? There's a book. Uh, it's called Outliers. It takes 10,000 hours to master something. I love music. I'm not good at music. I really wish, for example, if I had spent one-third of that time, I could have become a concert pianist, a, a great song leader. Instead, I sing out of pitch. I don't know how to harmonize, and I can only play uh, chopsticks. So three additional skills. I could have learned a language. I could have really become an expert in God's Word in a different way. You know, when my dad prepares and I watch him, there's a part of me that, that thinks, wow, all those hours I could have spent learning like he does, I now have to catch up. It's never too late, right, because God is gracious, but sayang, right, that feeling of sayang. I could have read a thousand books. I could have lived eight more years, assuming a 10-hour day. So instead of 42, I'd only be 34. It doesn't work that way. Digital addiction. What am I going to talk about? This, this little section is an in, in insert for all the parents out here. Because one of the things my dad told me is the reason he didn't stop me from gaming as much at first is he didn't understand what I was getting into. So I want to share with parents and with the young children that are here what is the danger of digital addiction. Technology is great. I'm not telling you guys to put your phones away and stop using them but you need to understand what's going on. So the obvious danger is there's predators, there's cyberbullying, there's um, bad company online, because you don't know who you're talking to. Remember, the online world, people should treat it just like the real world. So there are strangers online. They say one in four children in chat rooms will be solicited by a predator. There is the development of poor social skills. You see this image? What do you see? Have you guys ever been to a meeting, maybe for a project or an office, and instead of talking, what is everyone doing? They're on the phones, right? Instead of sitting there and saying, Oi, kumusta ka ngayon? How's your kids? How's your, you know, family? It's all... Da -da 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 -da. So imagine instead of an office, what if that is your dinner table at home. And when you get home, you're tired, so the first thing you're doing is you're on your phone and your kids see you and they get on their iPads. What happens? You don't develop good communication skills. If you don't develop good communication skills, um, then you have weak relationships. Because instead of really knowing people, you just know, like, you know, you can like them online, you can see their posts, but you don't really spend a lot of time talking to them. You have a thousand friends maybe even more, but they're not really a thousand friends, are they? You have a thousand shallow friends, maybe one or two or three deep friends, maybe none. I, I was just counseling someone um, recently and I heard uh, the person uh, said, I don't have anyone to talk to. But if you look at their Facebook profile, it looks like they have a lot of people to talk to because they have many friends. But see, it's all weak relationships. So, you know, those of you who are always online and you're, you're doing stuff there, don't forget that there is another world that should be invested in as well, and that's face-to-face -face friendships, impatience. This is another um, area. Nowadays, because everything is so fast, the young people, or even us, we don't know how to wait anymore, you know? Before, if you wanted to, you know, talk to someone, you send a letter, you wait, the letter goes to the post office, and then it may not make it there. It may make it there in a month. I have a friend from the States. He said, I'm going to send you something by post office. I said, no, no, don't send it. It might not make it here. Um, but we are impatient now, right? Everything, ngayon, ngayon, ngayon. And then, and then as a result of all these things, these shallow relationships, we have an unrealistic worldview. So I, I heard a, a talk given online, or it was posted, and he was talking about young people. And he said, he interviews these young people, and he asks them, how are you doing at your job? And they say, I don't know, I might quit, right? He says, why? He said, because 
I'm not doing anything meaningful. I said, how long have you been working? Six months or eight months, right? And what, what, what is shocking is, you know, I, I had a barber the other day, and I was talking to him. And I said, how long have you been a barber? He said, matagal na. I thought he'd say 15 years. He's like 40 years. He's a grandpa already. And I thought, you know, it used to be people knew it took time to do anything and to do it well. But nowadays, it's not that the kids aren't being taught. It's just that when you go online, right, you see people, they post a viral video, and all of a sudden, they're popular. Or, you know, you, re you watch a movie, and in the movie, a person goes from nothing to hero to, you know, a savior of the universe. And you're like, wow. And so we grow up with all these ideas about the world is like. And so then we're surprised that the young people nowadays, they're like, you know, there's a word, right? Ningas kogon. No, no staying power. Just uh, give up quickly. The, the other area is sleep deprivation. They say that your phones keep you awake and the light of your phones will keep you up at night. But people will sleep with their phones beside them. And nowadays, people spend sometimes more time on their phones than anything else. And then we're surprised that we're tired. So why do I share those things? Young people, parents with young children, you must understand that the effects of digital addiction are still being studied. I am not saying they should never use the internet, go online. You don't want to raise a cave child, right? Like the Flintstones. But you should know what the consequences are so you can help make up for it. So even as your kids spend time online, you say, hey, let's have family dinner and let's talk. No phones. Let's sit across each other and let me teach you how to ask questions, right? And we're doing that with our daughter. Um, and it's, it's work. So do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will reap. So there is always a cost. Destruction, life. It affects your family. I wanted to just share this point. The cost is never just you. It is your loved ones. It is us. You know, if, if one of us suffers here, we all suffer because we're not serving God the way we should. Um, you know, there's a D group you should have been leading, but you're not. And so before I go to the cause, I want to emphasize this verse. It says, they served idols, which became a snare to them. Psalm 106, verse 36. This is a verse that means a lot to me personally because I feel a lot of those years I spent playing games, even though, yes, I wasn't into drugs, I stunted my growth spiritually as a person, and that's what I am afraid for you guys. Yes, you're still a Christian, and yes, God has saved you and you have eternal life, but your lives are hindered. You never quite become everything God designed you to be. You're just, you know, you fall short of, of the, the plan. So I encourage you, do not be ensnared to addictions, to idols. So second part, we will now look at the cause. And why do I want to talk about the cause? Have you heard the saying, do not, diet, do not just treat the symptom, but treat the what? Treat the root cause, right? In, in, in medicine, they always want to know what is happening. What is, why is a person exhibiting these symptoms? So what is the cause of addiction? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. How many people who sin are enslaved to sin? Everyone. It doesn't say, I tell you the truth, some people who sin might become enslaved. It doesn't say, you know, sorry, it says everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So sin has a way of enslaving us. Again, sin has a way of enslaving us. What does that mean? There's a quote my dad used, sin will take you farther than you plan to go. It'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and it will cost you more than you thought you'd pay, right? So keep you, keep you longer, it'll take you farther, it'll cost you more. 
So sin will make you think it's just a little. So many people, right, when you start an addiction, I mean, we'll, we'll look at it later, you think, you know, I'm just giving a little bit time to this thing. And before you know it, it's full-blown. Why does sin enslave us? And the reason I want to talk about this is I can stand here before you today and say, look, if you have an addiction, turn to Jesus, and that is going to be completely correct. But if I tell you that, and that's all I'm going to tell you, it's like me saying, you know what, uh, you need to find a job, pray, and that's it. No, you know, after you pray, God will say, you know what, do some work. You do your part. You go online, you find, a, you find a job portal, you apply. You meet your friends who are looking for work, you talk about leads you guys have. So you do your part, and that applies to dealing with addiction. We have a part to play, right? So what is going on when someone becomes addicted? There's a quote by Blaise Pascal. It says, all men seek happiness. This is without exception whatever different means they employ. So whatever they do, they all tend to this end. Do you agree with this? How many of you here want to be happy? Raise your hand if you want to be happy. That's almost everyone. And those who haven't raised their hands, they're happy sleeping, correct? But what happens in our hearts, right? This is the heart of a person who has missing something. I call it a deficit. There's a hole. My butas ang puso, right? There's a hole. A person who wants to be happy, I wrote down a few things I think they're looking for. I think a happy person is someone who is looking for, or someone who knows that they are loved. They are accepted. I think a happy person is someone who has joy in their life. Uh, you know, even if things aren't going bad, they still have joy. I think a happy person is a person who is at rest. They're not stressed all the time. They're not, you know, worried all the time. I think a happy person is a person who feels they're living a life of meaning. But what if you or your children, instead of these things, you have a hole in your life? So at home, right, your parents or you as a parent, you're so busy, you don't have time to talk to your children. So even though they are there, they don't feel loved. Uh, they don't feel they're accepted because you're always correcting them. Or you're fighting at home all the time, husband and wife. And so your children, their home is a little stressful. I uh, apologized to my daughter recently. Um, we were fighting one night. And she actually came up to us and says, I don't like it when you guys fight. And she said, I really feel bad when you fight. And I was watching her, and I thought to myself, wow, we are creating a deficit in our heart. So, so what happened? So this person, created in God's image, meant to live a full life, has a hole. And they find social media. And when you go on social media, what happens? You post a picture, and someone likes it. All of a sudden, you feel, wow, there's someone who likes what I'm doing. So you get excited. So that deficit, you think, wow, this is an answer to what I feel. Or you're stressed, you're tired, and you need release. You know, I've heard guys tell me the reason they, they look at porn uh, and they give into that area of their life is because they need a stress release. Or you're looking for fun, and there's nothing fun to do at home. So you play video games because it's fun. There's nothing else to do. You're home, you know, you live in a small place, and you have nothing in the house but a computer and an iPad. Or you're looking for meaning, and your job's not going well. You gamble, and you make some money, and you're like, wow, this can be it. This is how I can make money for my family. What happens when the whole, right, is addressed? by an activity, it becomes addictive. And the more you go there, the more addicting it becomes. And before you know it, the, uh, the activity becomes a strong addiction. I have a caddy. I like, I, I started golfing with my dad again, 
And I asked my caddy, this is just uh, a week and a half ago, kumusta ka? He said, okay naman, mga ganon, madaming demonyo. I'm like, what, what do you mean? He's like, kasi mahilig akong magano eh. And he's just telling me. He said, mahilig akong mag-online ano, bingo. I'm like, online bingo? I'm like, where do you do online bingo? He said, sa EDSA, sa Shaw. He said, there's a machine you go to, and he can pay 50 pesos, and he can win money. I'm like, nananalo ka ba? He's like, hindi. <laughs> I'm like, why do you go there? It's like, eh, walang ibang gawin eh, right? So he has, he has a void in his life. He has, he has a family, but he, again, he doesn't find what he's looking for where he is. So I said, don't you want to do anything else? He's like, eh, sana gusto ko maging sundalo, hindi naman umabot sa cutoff. So there's just nothing to do. So I said, hey, you know what? We're starting a Saturday service. Why don't you come sometime? Because he can't go on Sunday morning, right? Because it's, uh, he's caddying. He's like, gusto ko yun. He's like, you know, I would love to go. I said, you know, you can meet other guys and you can talk to them and help them if they're addicted also. He's like, pwede yun, pwede yun. And I saw an excitement in his life. He got, he got excited because I gave him an idea that there's something more to life than caddying in the morning going home at night to your wife who's angry because you're gambling your money and then going back to gamble because you want a thrill and there's nothing else to live for. My caddy is an example of many people, many children who go to social media to go to fill this hole. And you know what happens? From this activity, it becomes a physical addiction. It says the body actually remembers the trigger so the cue, you remember the routine, and then the reward. So many addictions have this pattern. And then you release something called dopamine. And they've studied it. They said that a, a, a gamer who opens his laptop and turns it on, he, he gets a release of dopamine in his brain. It's not the same as a drug, full drug, but it's the same chemical in smaller quantities. It's very addicting. And for many years, my mom reminded me to tell this to you guys, I, I know that feeling. I come home from work, I want to do something fun, I start to turn on my computer and I'm already excited. My heartbeat goes up, I can feel it, I'm like, ah, I'm going to play now. And I get so excited. And that's really addicting. So there's a few things about addictions, I think it's also good to know. How do you make something addicting? These are the games, the TV shows. Um, usually there's a drug. This is behavioral addiction. I said a drug. <laughs> usually there's a goal. You're pursuing a goal. And the goal is kind of out of reach, but not. So if you guys start a new game today on your phone, don't do it. But if you did these games, you watch. The first hour, you will get many rewards fast because they want you to achieve goals. And you feel so excited because you're like, wow, I'm leveling up. Wow, I'm winning. And then it gets harder and harder. But it's that initial goal pursuit. The second thing is feedback. If you know if, if every time you post on Facebook, only one person likes it every time, you'll get bored of Facebook. But because you never know how many, and you never know um, if you'll get a lot of likes or no likes, it's like a little like gambling. I'll post this picture, and I'll see how many like it. And then you check, and you're like, wow, I have one like. So you feel a little sad that day. But the next time, you check, and you have 100 likes. You're like, whoa, that's a good one. My wife and I, right, we, we, we're guilty. I, I posted a picture, and she's like, did you know you have 100 likes? I'm like, yes, 100 people like my picture. It's shallow. <laughs> because I, I have a friend, his name is Doug Kramer, and he posts a picture, it's like, 30,000 likes. I'm like, oh, poor me. But <laughs> feedback, right? It's, 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 it's addicting, especially when you don't know how much you get. It's, it's, again, like rolling the dice. Progress. You feel like you're getting better and better. So in video games, you progress. You level up. You get, uh, you know, new items. So they design it. Guys, there are scientists. They design these games, so you will never put it down. Social media is designed to be addicting. 
That's how they make money. The more time you spend on social media, the more advertising dollars they pull in. Cliffhangers. You know what a cliffhanger is, right? You watch a TV show, and then at the very end, they show you the scene, and the person's hanging off the cliff, and then they cut it. You're like, oh. So what happens now? Netflix has released these shows. You can just watch the whole thing. So you watch the whole series all the way through in one sitting. But they're designed to really pull you in. And then social interaction. These are the elements of an addictive uh, behavior or something that's addicting. I wanted to share it with you, right? Because knowledge is power. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. These are games people are playing with your mind to get you to do what they want to do. Don't be enslaved. Think past it. God offers much more than this. Okay, the cure. As we wrap, John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they, so that you might have life and have it to what? The full. Jesus doesn't say, I came that you might live a partially addicted and enslaved life. He said, I came that you might have life and have it completely to the full. You know, God wants you to, be, to have a free life, a full life. And if, if I said nothing except you need Jesus, that's worth remembering today. Honestly, I've watched all my favorite messages always go back to this one fact, that Jesus really is the answer. But in His wisdom, He will teach you what to do Given the, you know, given the brain and the body he's given us, so we're going to talk about it. But first, you need him. You need Jesus because he's the one that wants to set you free. He's the one that came to give you life. And he says, if you lean on me, you can do all things, right? This verse, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You notice it doesn't say I can do all things in my strength. Or I can do all things if I try hard enough. It says, I can do all things through him. So Jesus must always be in the centerpiece of that equation. Now, what do we do to get over addictions? First thing, admit the truth. Again, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. If you are sitting here today and you have an addiction, but you tell me I don't have a problem, it's really hard to improve. That is the first thing. You must sit and admit, I have a problem. And then you must connect back to God because that's the first thing we must do, right? Again, we need connection. So how do you connect back to God? You must know what's blocking you from God. What blocks us from God? Sin. Isaiah 59.2. It says, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Sin is a block. It is a wall. So if you know that you have a block in your life, if you have a sin, and addictions are sin when they control you, right? What sin is in your life blocking you from God today? What is it? It could be something small. A friend came up to me after the first service, and he said, hey, you know, I'm struggling with my addiction to pleasure. And we talked about it. We said, I, you know, I was asking him, what's, what's going on? He's saying it's the same pattern, you know. When things are going well, I go back to my, my favorite things. What do you do then? You repent. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Isn't that beautiful? That God doesn't just sit here and say, you have a problem. He says, if you repent, your sins can be blotted out. So the wall will be taken down. When that is corrected, then we can look at this heart. And where there is a hole, right? What does a hole want? It wants to be filled. So imagine now this is your addicted life with holes in it. Whether it's from the past, you were young, you have issues growing up, or now you're raising children and you don't want them to have a hole. I want to read a quote. I'm going to read it because it's here. What else does this craving 
So it's a craving, and this helplessness proclaim. But that there was once in man a true happiness, of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. So in all of us is this whole, a, a, a need for happiness. And the fact that it's there means it's designed to be filled, right? There was once in man a true happiness. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there, the help he cannot find in those that are. It sounds like us, right? We try to fill everything in our lives. Though none can help, since this infinite abyss, it's a, it's a hole, it's a big hole, can be filled with an infinite or can only be filled with an infinite and immutable object. In other words, by God Himself. So Blaise Pascal said this. So what does it look like? Remember this whole life? If instead of that life, you have this life. Jesus, who said, I came that you might have life, fills that hole because He's infinite. If Jesus fills your hole, the deficit in your life, you have all the love and acceptance you need. Even if you're sitting here bef before me today and say, I don't have your family, Peter. I don't have a dad like your dad who, who preaches the word and tries to be loving. You know, Christ, God is better than my dad. And in Christ, you have the best father. So you're accepted, you're loved. And then not just loved, you have true joy. Christ promises joy. Not in circumstances, but joy in His presence. And then you have true rest. Remember the verse? Uh, all who are weary, if you're, you know, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you will find rest for your souls. And you have true meaning. God came that you might have life and have it to the full. He gives you meaning because He wants you to serve Him, to make a difference. If this is the life now you have, will you, with this kind of heart, want to go back and throw away 10,000 hours playing on your phone? Will you need it? Do you need the phone to be happy? No. Do you need... Uh, food to be happy? Do you need sex to be happy? No. If you can put Jesus there, He really is the answer. And then what do you look like? You're a growing person. You are working for Jesus. You have the best future because Christ is on your side. Yeah, you know, you may have a boring job, but you're doing it for Him. You have regret-free fun. There's a lot of fun out there. You know, the singles, uh, there's a website. It's called discovernewcircles.com. We launched it during the singles event. If you go on it, for those of you who are single, discovernewcircles.com, you can see volleyball night. You can see um, game night, board game night, <laughs> not video game night. You can see um, a lot of things, even tutorials with, with couples that know the Lord. You can maximize gifts. You're loving your family, you're serving others, your D group. What does this look like? This looks like a healthy Christian, a person who's serving God, connected, loving God. I submit to you, the key to addiction is also to change your environment. So you must connect with others. This verse, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. So you need others. So if you're alone today, right, you don't have a good family, make a family. Join a D group and say, you know what, I'm joining a D group not because I want to be loved, but because I want to love. And because there are people who need to be loved. So we can all help each other get over our addictions to all the nonsense that is out there. Get involved. Serve. Our part, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Parents, 
I talk to you about digital addiction because if your kids are young, if you can save them from getting addicted to it, it's much better than having to reverse it. Many of you parents who have children that game, you know how hard it is. Once they become teenagers and they want to play their games, it's like a battle. But if you can, at a young age, start to speak to their hearts, my nephew, Elijah Mendoza, you've heard him share his testimony. I was shocked. My sister, I was talking to her. She said, you know, my son told me the other day, Mom, I think I should use the computer less because when I'm programming, I, I'm very excited and drawn to it, and I feel like I'm becoming addicted to it. I was surprised. That's exactly not what I did when I was addicted to video games. I was always telling my dad, buy me a new computer, buy me a new computer. Hey, dad, your office, it needs a new computer because, hey, you, you have to do spreadsheets. So he'll buy one, and then I'll install a game on it. Yes, colored screen. So, you know, but my nephew, it's the opposite. He's telling his mom, mom, I need to slow down on my, on my use of computers. Why? He's, he's like this. He's, he's healthy. He has a great, you know, environment. He's living a healthy Christian life. So that's what we need to do. Um, where is the heart of your child? What are the dangers they face? As I wrap up, as I was preparing for this message, I was convicted. Because my children, when I am tired and I don't want to parent anymore, I have iPads. I have the most iPads of our family. I have one, two, three iPads at home. Each of my daughters have their own. My wife has a Samsung tablet. Our helpers have two tablets. And so now I have six tablets and I have three, four, four computers. I have 10, com 10 computer devices, excluding phones. I have like four phones. And, and so sometimes when um, my children are... Uh, bothering me. Here's an iPad. Use your iPad. Here's your iPad, right? And so I started to notice something. I started to notice that my, my daughter, is she here listening? She's drawing. Shh. My daughter displays some symptoms of, are you listening now? She's listening. There she is. Of, of deficit. I noticed that she's always saying, hey, can we see the cousins? I'm like, why aren't you happy at home? And I think I figured it out because I wasn't giving enough time. So even though I was preparing on Friday, I said, Tegan, would you like to go out with Daddy on a date? Can you put the screen on her? What did you say? Yes. She said yes. She was so excited. I, I, have you seen someone, it's like a toy that you've wound up and they're about to explode? The whole day, she was just waiting. She's like, when are we going? When are we going? And, and this is us. It was raining that day. Friday rain. You remember? Terrible rain. But that's us. And this is the water flood. She said, let's just walk. So we walked from Ortigas to Shangri-La Mall. And it was tiring. And, but we had so much fun. And my daughter loves toys. But I was surprised. I said, hey, Tegan, since Taylan is not with us, can we buy her a toy? She said, yes, and I don't need a toy. She said, because I'm happy we're together. And my daughter loves toys. And I was shocked, and I realized, you know, if we, if we spend time with our children, they, um, they don't need iPads. She would much rather spend time with me at this age than an iPad. But if I'm not careful, and I'm not around, and she starts playing the iPad, there will come a day where the iPad becomes the daddy that she wants to be with. And I don't want that to happen. So I've, I've slowed down. I've told her. We're limiting iPads, and she was like, why? I said, trust me, someday you'll understand. She loves art, so we went to an art gallery, and she was so excited. She was asking me, do you like this art? Do you like that art? And uh, we had a great time. So when I got home, number two, can you show the camera on her? That one over there said, Daddy, it's my turn to go on a date. So I had to go on two dates that night, which is why I wasn't so prepared for the message. Just kidding. But I, I took her to a different mall, and I said, hey, let's just buy, let's go to 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven is near us. And she's like, no, I want to buy Tegan a toy also. So we went to the mall, and we bought a toy together, and she had a lot of fun. So I'm trying to do what I'm encouraging you guys to do, which is to help our families um, not have to go to addictions. Now, virtual reality, augmented reality, very quick. Do you remember? 
Uh, for those of you who are older, the first time you saw a TV, not anymore, right? Everyone here is already, I'm already old. Um, virtual reality is like the first time, if you have never seen TV in your life and you see colored television, it's like that. If you guys have ever tried VR, you'll be shocked. You put a headset on, there's, it's amazing. I cannot even describe to you what it looks like. You have to try it. But be careful. The reason I say this is you will see virtual reality. Our world is moving there, and your children will know it. So instead of, instead of not knowing what they're getting into, you have to understand, if your children are entering a world with virtual reality, you better equip them to say no. You know one industry that's targeting VR? I met people that work with the owners of HTC Vibe. They said that the porn industry is always asking to put all their stuff on that platform. Imagine, no, don't imagine, but the point being, uh, VR is, is something else. So you have to be ready. You have to prepare your kids, much like the internet or social media took all of us by surprise at how fast VR will be like that in a few years. So be ready already, right? Reprogram your mind. You know, the, the brain, it can unlearn and learn new patterns. So if, now I want to speak to those of you who are addicted, right? You're like, what do I do? I'm addicted. You know, you can reprogram your mind. It's going to take work. It takes work. There's no shortcut. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. It says, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God can change your brain. He can rewire it. But He's going to use what He gave us in the world. So you have to form new habits. You have to take time to develop new habits. I will give you some advice. You need to learn to detoxify. That's why fasting week, for those of you who are addicted to social media, I will tell you, more than fasting food, maybe that week, just fast from social media, right? For those of you who are addicted to TV, you know, don't go on a juice diet. Go on a TV, no TV diet. Whatever it is, you have to detoxify. Parents, if your kids are always playing video games, tell them, we're going to go on a vacation and we're going to leave our computers. We're going to bring one phone and we're never going to use it except if there's an emergency. Imagine that. A phone-free vacation, you're all freaking out. You're like, hindi kaya, hindi kaya, we need to check our email. That's how addicted we all are. The principle of replacement. If I tell you, do not think about the color black. Oh, you're all thinking about it, right? Don't think about it. Don't think about the color I just told you. You're thinking about it. You can't help it. That's how you are. So instead of, of always telling yourself, don't do this, don't do this, find something else to do. That's what I was telling you about my daughter. Replace it. If you know yourself, if you love video games because you like the competition, find a sport. And find a sport where you can meet Christians and spend time with them and disciple them. Make it more meaningful than just sport. But you know what I'm saying? Replace. If you love achieving things, ask God, what can I achieve for you that is not related to this addiction? Find a replacement. Talk to your friends. Say, hey, Let's, let's do something different. Let's do it differently. And then behavior architecture, right? A bit fancy word, but here's a simple analogy. How many of you know that it's not good to use your phone too much, to be always on your phone all the time? You think it's not that healthy. Raise your hand. Let's be honest. Okay, how many of you sleep with the phone beside your bed, right? It's funny, but it's true. We know we shouldn't use it all the time, but we put it right beside our bed so that if it rings, we'll see it. If we wake up, we'll see it. The first thing you do in the morning, you check everything. Wife, yes. Oh, she's also guilty, so hopefully you're listening. <laughs> but change the architect a new behavior, right? So this can apply to anything. If you're a gamer, um, make it so you don't have access to your laptop during the week so that you can study and do all your responsibilities, and only on the weekend, you give your wife the key and you say, honey, I love you so much, you can lock my laptop for the week, I will not game until the weekend. Right? I mean, it sounds crazy, but if you want to change, you got to do what you got to do. 
few years ago, I was reading this verse, and this spoke to me, right? Because I was playing a game that week. It says, he began telling the parable, a certain man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit, and it did not find any. And I thought, wow, that sounds like me. And he said to the vineyard keeper, behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And I really started to cry. That night, I was contemplating uh, playing a game, and I didn't want to stop. But I felt God was telling me, you're like this tree. You've known me for 30 years, more, and yet look at your life. You keep playing these stupid things that don't really add value. And then I saw this part, and it said, and he answered and said to him, let it alone for this year until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit, next year fine, but if not, go ahead and cut it down. And I said a prayer. I said, Lord, I cannot stop gaming. But if I give you a year, will you show me that you are real? Will you put fertilizer in my life and change me? I kid you not, that is one of the best things I've ever done. It was the hard, a very hard decision then, but I would do it a thousand times over again because in that year, God changed my heart through I detoxified. He gave me new things to pursue. And then, you know, because I didn't, I didn't play at all, I wasn't tempting myself, but that's my prayer for you guys. Not, it might not be video games, but it might be something else, right? And that's my challenge for you. I have a lot of material. Um, you can make a family media agreement, you know, and I will just show you what it is. You discuss what dangers and you tell your family. Let's agree to limit these things. It might be um, in the area of food. It might be anything, right? Um, take a picture if you want to. And then there's ideas on how you can limit it. You can have time limits, hours. We only use it uh, in, the, in the night at certain hours, only on the weekends. Children, if you're watching this, I know you're going to be angry at me. You're stopping me from using my games, but I'm loving you, not stopping you. Just helping. Spend intentional family time disconnected. Sometimes just say, you know, today is no phone Friday. We're just going to have dinner, no phones for the next four hours. We'll just sit around and talk. Um, and then screen time, how much is too much? Consider all screens. So not all screens are equal. I just showed this chart. This is actually done by a professional. She said you have the stupid screens where all you do is watch a show, but then you have the screens that inquire brain, so mind workout. So you would rather, if you have to give your children a tablet, tell them to do the mind workout. So Tegan, that's why I always want you to do educational apps and not Disney Junior shows, right? Right, so she's listening. And then ideas for family time. How about game nights? Not video game nights, nice try, but board game night. How about dinners, devotions? How many of you have the devotion from your, from your chronicle or your CCF thing? Do you have it? Can you hold up the devotion? It's there? Yes, lead a family devotion together. My wife's begging me to lead devotions. I'm, I'm trying to get better at it. Walking, I'm just going to show you examples. A bucket list for your family, not because you're dying, but because you want to do something this year. So our family this year, our bucket list is to go to whatever, right? A beach once, to go to uh, Green Hills and buy a video game. Oh, that's a bad bucket list. Um, movie night, serve together Sunday. Um, build something together. My, my, son, my brother, he builds Legos with his son. It's actually an activity for them. And my daughter, we like to build stuff together, outdoor adventure, art and craft. I'm just saying there's so much to do in the world. Clean together, dance and sing, read to your kids, tell stories. Look at the life God has given us, right? Thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. St. Augustine said this, and I close with this verse. 
At the end of the day, guys, Jesus is always the answer. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. He gave us a mind to use, but it is Him that empowers us. So my prayer is that anyone here who is addicted will be set free. And if you are not yet addicted, you will not ever enter addiction. Let us all um, bow our heads and pray. So in this audience, I am sure there are people that have addictions. I would like to pray for you. If you have an addiction, I would like you to decide in your heart to give it to the Lord, to ask Him to change you, and then to do what it takes to change. I'm also sure that there are people in this room who, when I read that verse, that Jesus sets you free, you will say, I don't really know if I know Jesus. So I would like to say two prayers. First, I'm going to pray for you if you have never met Christ. If you want to meet Christ, this person who delivers us from addictions, who can set you free to live the life He designed, I'm going to pray for you, and you can just pray with me um, these words. Lord, I, I need you. I want to live that life that you talked about, the full life. Jesus, will you reveal yourself to me? I need a Savior. Please, save me from my addictions, from my sins. Thank you. Now, for um, everyone else, you know, those who want to deal with your addictions, I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I lift up to you everyone here. In your name, will you set them free? Lord, if there are addictions, uh, whether they be strong ones or small ones, Lord, you know that you desire for us to live a full life. In your name, I pray that you would help us, help us to find freedom in you, to turn to you completely, that you will be the center of our hearts, and that as you fill us, we will not need those things that addict us in life. And I pray, Lord, for families here that are dealing with addiction, for children that have uh, habits that need to be changed, will you give them grace? Help them to communicate clearly, to work this out through you. I pray, Lord, you help everyone here to find the family they need in you, and as we do that, to reach out and love each other. Thank you, Lord. We lift up to you the rest of this, this afternoon. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Connect with CCF through the following websites. Jumpstart your spiritual journey by joining a small group. We are so blessed you were able to join us today. God bless and see you next time.